tierra bella, de mi tierra santa. Bienvenidos a Radio Menea. I'm Miriam Suela Perez. I'm Vero Valletti Flores, and we're two Latinx friends with wildly different music tastes. Each week we bring you music from the Latinx artists that we love, and this week we're doing a deep dive into one of my favorite albums, uh, Mi Tierra by Gloria Estefan. Yeah, this is a big one for, I mean, for you and also for a lot of Cuban Americans, yeah. yeah? No, this is like iconic. So the song we're starting this episode with is the title track from this album, and I think probably she had a lot of hits on this album, but I think this might have been, this was her first single from the album and one of her major hits. So let's take another listen to Mi Tierra. So many diaspora oh, feels. Oh, so many. We brought this already to something. Nostalgia, I think, maybe we did an episode called Nostalgia. That makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Oh, this song. This song. Whew. All the feels. And yeah, I emailed a little bit with my father. He's like, has done some writing about music and about, particularly about like Cuban-American culture. And so I was asking mm-hmm. about this song. And the thing he pointed out, which I hadn't noticed, is that she doesn't actually mention Cuba, like, by name in the song. Yeah, yeah. Which... I think it was really smart <laughs> um, if it was a business Yeah, it decision. makes it very, yeah. like... Relatable. You know, yeah, relatable. Like, I I feel like it's a wide diaspora song, right? It's mm-hmm. like a song about diaspora, diasporic longing, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so deep, right? So I've told this story before, but I feel like I'll tell it again because we're talking about this album, which is that I did not, like, want to listen to Cuban music growing up or, like, Latino music, really. Like, I was pretty, like, that's not my music. You know, very typical, I think, kind of... Um, like assimilationist feelings about it, especially growing up in North Carolina where there were like very few Latinos at the time. I was just like, that's not my music. Um, But then I went to college. I went away to college to a school in Pennsylvania and I got really homesick. And during that homesick period, I was in a Spanish class where we had to go and um, transcribe basically. Like we had to go to this language lab, it's so old school, and listen to music and try to type up the lyrics. You know, it's a typical like language learning thing. Mm -hmm, And one mm -hmm. of the songs was from this album. I don't remember if it was Mi Tierra or which one, but I just immediately burst into tears like in the language lab. <laughs> I was just like, felt so homesick Aww. and yeah, yeah, little baby me at 21. I was not ready to go away to college. I was really like, 
I mean, I was ready. Like, I needed to get out of there and I needed to be done with high school. But I was really, like, I feel like I was kind of sheltered and just, like, not very independent. I don't know. Were you, mm. how did you feel when you went off to college? Were you, like, I was ready. You were, dude. like, bye. Yeah. <laughs> I was, like, I went as far as I could, which was literally mm. the next state over. Because at the time, I didn't have a green card. So I had to go anywhere that would allow me to have in-state tuition yeah and yeah that's so the next state over allowed that so yeah. I, did. I I was not I was not homesick I thought I, I was know. ready yeah I thought I was ready but then I got there and I was just like I don't know how to make friends and I was just like so out of my element and anyway mm. so I asked my mom I was like mommy send me this album <laughs> so she mailed me the cd that's the mi tierra so cd sweet. And then I list that was when I really kind of developed my own relationship to it. So I think it's just like being far from home and and not knowing where I fit in and just like all these things and being in this new place. So yeah, this album, like even I was texting Vero when I was preparing for this episode, like I just got really emotional listening to it and like kind of just like got a little sad. I don't know. It just, this album really um, reflects emotionally like a lot of my like feelings about my childhood and just being Cuban American and the nostalgia and the longing and the love and the celebration. Like, I think there's a lot of different moods in this mm-hmm. album. And so, mm-hmm. um, and I really listen to it as an album. Like I really have this relationship with like this track and that track and this track, you know, it's like, it's a whole complete yeah, yeah. thing, which I think is, I feel like that's, I'm losing that nowadays because I just don't relate to music that way. But do you think that that's, um, do you think that it's particular to you or do you think it's like a wider like Cuban experience of people <clears throat> who are like around and listening to music yeah. when this came out? Yeah, this came out. I mean, this was a huge hit. So this was her third album, but her first in Spanish and the first one that was really like about Cuban music. I mean, this this album is like a journey through a bunch of traditional mu- Cuban music from like the first half of the 20th century, a mm-hmm. bunch of different styles. Um, so... It was a huge hit internationally. So, no, I yeah, don't think... Yeah, I mean, yeah. I remember it. This yeah. so- song, you know, that we just talked about is... I mean, I know it deeply. And, yeah, I, you know, you I also, like, it. feel it really deeply, right? Like, I think yeah. that, like, anybody that, like, is away from their tierra, I think, must, like, get chills when they hear this song, right? Like, it's, yeah. like, very... You know, it, I think, like, as you said, she made it so that it's, like, very, like, you're, anybody who's, like, an immigrant and, you know, understands the lyrics, right? Like, speaks Spanish, like, I think can can relate to its themes. Yeah. But. Yeah. I don't, you know, I don't know. It's a good question. I think it's like, I think every Cuban American probably knows this album and like some sort of connection to it, but I don't know if it just hits me deeper than other people. I mean, I also grew up like not in Miami. So I feel like I have this like yearning this, I, I joke that I grew up like in exile from exile, you know, because like almost all Cuban Americans are either in Miami or New Jersey. It's like very New Jersey. Yeah. Yeah. It's very, it's like the least geographically diverse immigrant group. I think Latino immigrant group in the country. It's really interesting. Um, and mm-hmm. so I like, I didn't grow up there and my parents really wanted to be there, but couldn't be there because that couldn't find work there. So like I grew up really like constantly, I think I adopted some of that yearning they had as immigrants themselves and then being far from their families and far from Cuban culture and like food and music and all these things were harder to access then because we just didn't have Yeah, it. yeah. So... I feel like I grew up with a lot. And, like, every every time they weren't working, we would go to Miami. We'd spend the whole summer in Miami. We'd spend the Christmas break in Miami. It was, like, constantly trying to be in Miami, be in Miami. So I feel like I grew up with a lot of that yearning and, like, nostalgia. And, and so I sort of adopted that on top of the just, like, being the child of immigrants, you know, and people who had to leave their mm-hmm. homeland. So I don't know. I think that all that is really, like, wrapped up in this album for me for a bunch of different reasons. But yeah. 
but yeah, I mean, it's just like, and the song, my, t- my tierra is really about music too. You know, like the, the things that she talks about in the song are yeah, about, you totally. know, listening Los Tambores and like the, the sounds and the things that remind her. So she was actually only two when she left Cuba. She was pretty young. Mm. Um, but obviously like very steeped in this cultural connection, like deeply, deeply connected. Um, her father, I learned, was working for Batista's wife. So Batista was the president, um, the dictator, before the Castro Revolution. And Batista, wow. so he, he was like Batista's guard, wife's guard. Yikes. Yeah. <laughs> Which I learned from the LA Times. Yeah. So very cultu- very politically connected. And, you know, I mean, it's like this dude's president. There's lots of people who are going to work for him. Um, so they left like right away because they were at risk. And then he was actually imprisoned in Cuba for a long time. I don't actually know when he got out. So she left to, for Cuba when she was two and, and then spent the rest of her life in Miami. So that's the other thing that's interesting about this song is it's not really political, you know, it's like, it talks about immigration and sort of migration. And in, in that way, it's political in that like migration and yearning and it's always political, but it doesn't like, there's a lot of Cuban or some Cuban American artists like Willie Chino, for example, who has a lot of songs that are very explicitly political and like very explicitly anti-Castro and very explicitly about like, you know, freedom for Cuba and all this stuff. And this, this song right. is not that. Um, no. And I don't know, I don't know of anything that she's made that is that kind of thing. Like, I don't, I think that's where her politics lie, but I don't, I feel like in her music, she takes a different approach. You know, she, she, she's also not the songwriter. Um, on all these songs. She, she wrote mm-hmm. half of the songs mm-hmm. on this album. Mm-hmm. According to my father, this song was actually written by a Colombian person. So maybe that's also part of why it doesn't name Cuba specifically because it's written by someone else describing yeah. like some yeah. migration yearning. So um, I don't know that much about her political views like in our current moment, but you know, she's not a supporter of Castro as most, most of the people who left Cuba aren't. Um, but yeah, she chooses to make this song like much more neutral in a way that then invites in like so many more people's experiences. Yeah, totally. I think that this is a very relatable song Yeah, for um, most, you know, Latino immigrants and yeah, it's Did also you... beautiful. It's a great song, you know, know? and I, like, I love the horns. I'm a sucker for horns. Yeah. She's just very talented. I mean, she's, I think she's an incredibly talented musician and, and the people that she collaborates with, you know, it's like, it's not just her. She's a whole team of musicians and producers. Her husband, Emilio, produced this album. And I think most of her albums, they met through music. He's also an immigrant from Cuba. He was a little older when he left. He was like nine. But yeah, I mean, I think she's incredibly, incredibly talented. And she's, you know, part of the sort of early wave, right, of, I mean, this was the first album to make it to the top of the Latin album the billboard top latin albums chart it was the first one because it was when that list began to exist so i feel like you know it's interesting to think about like okay early 90s they decided that there were enough there was enough music in this category in the u.s to make a billboard chart specifically about it and this and this one spent 58 weeks there until it was replaced by um selena's amor prohibido so you know we're talking about like a particularly important moment i think in like latin music Latinx music, like really definitely, definitely making headway in the United States, you know? So this album came out in 1993. Yep. Yep. Yeah. June 22nd, 1993. Yeah. Why don't we um, go on to the next song? Let's do it. What 
is the next yeah. song from this album that we have planned. Yeah, so I picked all the songs because <laughs> I'm the one who has like this really deep connection to this album. So Mi Tierra is the second track on the album, which we started with because it's like the iconic one. But I want to go back to the first track on the album, which is called Con los años que me quedan. Let's take a listen. Sé que me quedo una Sé que aún no es tarde para recapacitar. Sé que nuestro amor es verdadero y con los años que me quedan por vivir demostraré. Cuánto te quiero Con los años que me quedan Yo viviré por darte amor Borrando cada dolor Con besos llenos de pasión te amé por vez primera con los años que me quedan te haré olvidar cualquier error no quisiera... so my experience with this album like I said is because it's very I, I relate to the album itself it's like this there's certain songs that just like really hit and like I always listen to and then there's other songs that like I skip over but the first three are like they're just like so important and connected for me and this one I think is just really beautiful and very mm -hmm. slow and it's a classic bolero which we've like maybe mentioned on the show the sort of concept of boleros but we've been wanting to do something a little bit deeper into it because it's yeah, a, a little bit of a deeper dive yeah it's a whole genre that um is really has its roots in Cuba, but there's also like a boleto tradition in Mexico. Like it's not only Cuban, and and Cuban music has influenced you know entire Latin American kind of musical traditions. But um, but yeah, but this is a boleto, so I think it's interesting that this is what she starts with rather than something that's like faster or like more hard hitting. Um, it's it's really like one of the slower songs on the whole album. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a really pretty song. Do you like boleros? Do you have a connection to boleros? I don't have a connection to boleros specifically other than like it's like a very popular Latino, you know, like a Latin music genre, right? And it's like, I know boleros are part of, they were part of my life growing up, like in the background, but not, I don't have a specific connection to boleros, but yeah. I think they're very sweet. They're very nice. Oh, yeah. I definitely grew up with a lot of, listening to a lot of boleros because my father really likes boleros. What's your connection to bolero? I mean, I think it's just like listening to them growing up and then... I've said before, I feel like there's a real connection between bachata and bolero. Like, bolero is like a, like, almost like the bachata or the boleros of today in terms of, there's a musical connection, I think, but also just in terms of the themes, like bachata, the, the themes of, like, mm -hmm. love, romance, and, and loss, amarga, right? Like, just, like, kind of, yeah, mm -hmm. the sadder sides of love, I think, is what boleros often yeah. hit you with musically. Like, it just, it's like the bittersweet part of love, mm -hmm. so... So yeah, I th and I've talked to my father about that, and he's like, yeah, that makes sense, you know, that there's some connection there. But um, but yeah, I mean, the song is really sweet. It's, I mean, in this one, I think 
you know, the whole album is kind of like a, a love story with Cuba, but then there's part parts where the metaphor feels more like it could be about a romantic relationship. And I think this one is one that kind of um, walks that line. <clears throat> you know, the, the, with the years she has left, it's like about her love for a person, but also I think her love for this country and this place that she's left. Yeah. I think, I mean, that's... A, that's I don't think that's an uncommon way no. to explore diasporic diasporic longing, you know, which I think yeah. like as you said, this album really explores both through like the themes of the songs, but also like, you know, going through all these types of Cuban music, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a uh, it's not an uncommon way to think about like the love for one's country to mm-hmm. like you know, interplay between, like, a lover and your patria and, like, mm-hmm. you know. And obviously for Cuban-Americans, there's this, like, real deep um, sadness because a lot of people feel like they can't go back. So there was, mm-hmm. like, a – it was, like, a forced migration feeling, even though, like, it was not a literal forced migration for most people. They chose to leave, but they didn't feel like they had a choice because either their safety was at risk, like this family, or their livelihood, like, they couldn't yeah. work I anymore. I mean, like, most you know? migration is – you know, forced in a similar yeah. way, right? Yeah, like they right. feel like they have to go because yeah. of the pressure economic are reasons there. or safety mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah. But then, you know, you think about most Cubans living in Miami and you're literally like, you know, only if you go to the tip of Key West, which is farther from Miami, but there's a tip there's a point in Key West where you can see Cuba if it's a clear day. It's ninety miles from the tip Damn. of Key West. So there's this really intense feeling of like it's there but I can't I can't access it. I can't go there. You know? Right. Um, right. And there are people who've chosen to travel, but a lot of people, including I think Gloria and like my father and have chosen, have I basically said they'll never go back unless the government is gone. And like now the like, Castro's are gone, but like it's still their government, like the legacy is still there. So I don't know what, I don't know what the change would have to be for them to feel like they could go for people mm-hmm. of that generation. I think it's, I think honestly, it's just like, there's no desire to, because it's too difficult to even like deal with the feelings of what it's like to be gone. And then also it's for some people have said, it's like, it's too sad to see what has become, you know, because there's a lot of, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of, um, a lot of things have like crumbled and decayed and not been maintained because of the way the economics have worked in Cuba. So it's a complicated experience for people to go. And I will, um, I'll put a link in the show notes to a couple of articles I've written about Cuba. I wrote about to some of like the feeling stuff. And I also wrote about my trip that I did take with my, with my mom mm-hmm. a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. So people want to read more about yeah. my thoughts. Definitely. It's there. How, how many years was it between you migrating for good and going back to Venezuela for the first time? Mm, two. Okay. So you've kind of always had a little bit of like a back and forth relationship with. Yeah, for sure. Venezuela. I mean, it doesn't necessarily make it easier, right? It's still like. Yeah, it's different though. It's, I feel like there's definitely a particular kind of, um, pain that I think is really showcased in this album about like the exile piece, right? Because it's like it's not just that people were sort of, you know, like the migration is sort of forced, right? In the ca- case, like many migrants are, but then like even if people have the resources where they could, you know, travel back, yeah, it's politically not an option, right? Yeah. So I think that that I think that there's there is a different kind of difficulty in that, you know. Yeah, yeah. And there was a long time where you just couldn't go. Um, 
you know, so I think that's also changed somewhat in terms of people's freedom to travel. And then there was also like for a lot of people, not my family, but for a lot of people, like they were literally separated, like families were separated, you know, people were able to leave and people weren't, or people chose to leave and people didn't. And there were long periods of time where you couldn't leave, like, you know, which is why people did things like try to take to the rafts and the balsettos and stuff. So yeah, there's just a lot of pain that's been created by the, you know, half a century of, um, political divide and, and the relationship sure. between the U.S. and Cuba. So, yeah, I do think that that's reflected here. Although it's, a, like, in many ways a very upbeat album. This, I think, is probably one of the saddest yeah. songs on the album. Yeah. So let's take a listen to the third track on this album, which is called Ayer. Aún guarda fiel el aroma aquel tierno clavel Ayer encontré la flor que tú me diste Aún guardo aquella carta que me escribiste De un rojo pasional tenía una marca Tu firma junto al clavel me puso triste aún guardo aquella carta que me escribiste regresa por favor pues la vida es muy corta salgamos de la duda y del rencor muy bien dice el cantor lo pasado no importa de todo nuestro orgullo es lo peor La vida es muy corta y tenemos de calor el corazón. Aroma de perdón, añora nuestro ser. Perfume de ilusión de un nuevo amanecer. Frescor de primavera por toda eternidad. Aroma de perdón. Añora nuestro ser. Regresa, por favor, pues la vida es muy corta. So like I said, yeah, the first three songs on this album just like hit. And I like listened to all three, you know, without without skipping any of them because they all just feel really poignant. And like I have just such a strong memory of these songs. And, and they Tell feel really Tell me about meaningful. your memories with these songs. Like do you have like, when you like hear these songs, do you imagine like a certain scene or mm. part of your life or do you are there like certain smells or foods mm. or is it just like are yeah. they so everything that like they're mm. you can't connect it? it's just like more like a feeling mm. yeah I think it's like all of it you know I mean one of the, th the memories I have really so we would when my father would take us to Miami we would drive and it was 18 hours to drive from North Carolina to Miami it was like an eternity Ooh. I know. Yeah. It was really kids hard. kids, too? And with two kids in the backseat of a Camry. Hell no. I know. It was pretty miserable. Um, he doesn't really like to fly. And I think also, like, we would go to Miami for a long time, so you need a car and money and whatever. Anyway, so we would drive. Yeah. Yeah. And so the most exciting part of the drive would be when we were close enough to Miami for the Cuban radio station to come in on the, like, 
style. <laughs> yes, yes. It also just meant that we were close, you know? It was like, oh my God, we're almost there. So yeah. I feel like that's what I think about. It's like I think about, um, yeah, the sort of like the music, although we listen to it all the time, but it was like this this feeling of like, okay, we're getting there, we're getting close there, and then we're there and we're like engulfed in, you know, Cuban life in terms of just like family and food and language and music. Like it's all just like really all-encompassing because we would basically just like stay with my abuelos. You know, my abuela was the type who was like, leave me the kids, like go, go, leave. Like, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. like yo con los nietos aquí, you know, go have fun, do whatever. Just like leave me with my yeah. grandchildren. Yeah, and my brother and I were her Thank first. You. We're the oldest, oh, her oldest so grandchildren. Oldest set of grandkids. Yeah, so, yeah, so we spent a lot of time. See, 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 see. And so, yeah, I don't know. So it's not that I have specific memories with these songs, but it's just like, it's representative. And then I think because I started listening to it when I was feeling really like lonely and like disconnected in college, then it had added a whole nother layer to it, right? That this was like some of the first like Spanish language Cuban music that I listened to on my own and like that I chose to listen to, you know? So, yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Do you have any albums like that? Like, are there... Is there Venezuelan music? I know you didn't have the same experience with music growing up because your parents weren't as like, you know, into it. But like, are no. there? No. Yeah. Um. But like the albums, like what? Like that that feel like representative of like Venezuela or like nostalgia or you know like do you? No, it's about. more for me. Like it was more like like connections to like pop music that I was listening to to have yep. my own relationship with. I mean, yep. I do like. I mean, I think that there's been moments and like they're, like their spoke songs right like Alma Llanera and Caballo Viejo and like you know like harps right like in terms yeah. of like really like traditional Venezuelan music right that, like I've been like in random places where like I don't know for whatever reason I'm hearing it either mm -hmm. like there's a random Venezuelan or like you know, like some white hippie that found a Joropo record somewhere, you know, or like whatever like situation right. it is that there's like, I'll be walking around and like, I'll be like, holy shit, what is this? You know, I had, right. for example, I had a friend who was a harpist and Venezuela has a lot of folk, like folk harp music, right? Like mm. it's very known for its harp music. So if you're That's a harpist, you know, Venezuelan music. Oh, wow, I didn't know that. Um, <laughs> And I, so when I went, when actually when, um, I also, when I went away to college, this person was my college roommate and she was a harpist and like, she just would sometimes play harp music. And one time like Moliendo Cafe came on and I was like, holy shit, you know, mm. like it just like brought me back. I was like, what are you listening to? You know, like, right. but in terms of albums or anything like this, like not really now, mm -hmm. just like you know, relationships to songs that are, like, in the ether that, like, I couldn't tell you how I know them, you know, right. it's just, like, yeah. you remember it, yeah. yeah, 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 totally, totally, yeah, it's unique, I mean, I was also nine when this album came out in 93, I was, like, I had to do some math there, I was nine, so I think I was also old enough oh, wow. to, like, be more aware, too, so it's also possible that I, like, have more memories of hearing it, I don't actually have those little memories, but, like, I imagine that because this was such a big hit when it came out, I'm sure that it was, I was listening, you know, my parents were listening to it. So that also might be part of it. Mm -hmm. Just like the age that I was at. And then, you know, the Estefans have been such a huge part of like Latino music in the United States. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. We've talked I mean, about they, that before. After but. their music, like the, their actual putting out mu their own personal music days were sort of 
maybe not over, but like less. Like they moved into like the business side of things. Like they were, like they launched Shakira, you know? Yeah. No, I mean, I think he's always been, because he's a producer, I feel like he's he's always been kind of involved in other mm-hmm. people's um, musical careers. And there's a lot of collaborators on this album too. Um, that they that they brought in a lot of musicians that they brought in like Tito Puente, Arturo Sandoval. There's a lot of people, um, but mm-hmm. yeah, I think he's always been kind of metido in eso with with. I mean, he was part of Ricky Martin. Like so many artists have been really um, helped by the Estefans, and I I don't know. My sense is that they're like pretty well liked in the music industry. I don't I don't I haven't heard like a lot of negative things about them, and and but. I don't know. It's possible there's more there, but I, I, my sense is that they're pretty well liked and just like generally have been really supportive and helped a bunch of people's careers take off through their work. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, this song is just, this song combines bolero and son. So son's another form of Cuban music. And I would love to like do a deep dive into Cuban music with somebody who's more of like a musicologist or knows more about like all the differences because I'm definitely not that person. Um, but son is, at the root of salsa. It's like very much yeah, at the yeah. core, at the core of what we know of as salsa music um, today. And it's just an earlier sort of genre of Cuban music from somewhere around like the 1900s is, is where mm-hmm. they trace it back to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I was thinking about, when I was listening to this and like listening to the song, I like, you know, I realized that for me, like I don't have a lot of like very, I don't have a lot of like very specific specificity in terms of knowledge of like what the difference is between son and salsa you know like I yeah. know that salsa develops in New York and that it develops out of Cuban music and develops right. out of son but like when I hear son and I'm not sure that it's not salsa you know yeah. what I mean like yeah. it's like what's the I, know. I would love to dig into that dig I into know. like okay like is it like because it's a similar time signature so like is it about the instrumentation yeah. like is it like about like, the what is it like what is it what are like the the yeah. classic signifiers of what is son versus what's salsa yeah. like I don't I don't really know that. Like when I yeah. hear this, I'm like, it sounds like, oh, like when I hear son, it's like, oh, that sounds like a salsa to me, but right. it's not, you know? Right. It's not, but I think you could dance to it the way you would a salsa. Right. You know? yeah. Right. Cause it's the same time signature. Yeah. yeah. And so my, I'm just like, yeah. what's, what's the, I would love to like dig in a little bit more about mm-hmm. what those differences are. Maybe you can ask your dad for me. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I think I've asked him to come on the show and he's like pretty reluctant, but I think I might be able to do like an interview with him at some point. And cause he yeah, has a lot just... of knowledge about this. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he, you know, he's actually a really good dancer. So was my abuelo, like really, really good salsa dancer. And he actually said that what he dances is actually son. Like the steps he's dancing are actually more like son, but it looks like salsa to me. You know, like the just I don't I don't understand the yeah, the difference. Yeah. You know, um, yeah. but but yeah, we I would love to do more of a of a deep dive. But yeah, the, the you know, and also like genres, there's so much blending and mixing, and like they're not necessarily like always really easy to boundary and say this is this and this is that. You know, but like salsa, for example is more of a like marketing term than it is like an actual thing uh, that has its own boundaries. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it was really a way mm-hmm. to talk about a lot of music that then became so popular. Right. So. Right. Complicado. Shall we move on to the next <clears throat> yes. track? Let's do it. So this is well, tracks. This is track six. So I always skip track four. I just don't like it. Like it's like within the first <laughs> couple seconds, I'm like, no, you know like there's just something That's about funny. it I don't know I know and I was like watching like remembering like I have these ways of listening to this album so sorry yeah, track four yeah. but not, <laughs> not my vibe um, but the rest of the album pretty much I had a lot of trouble picking what song so um, but I settled mm-hmm. on this one which is called No Hay Mal Que Por Bien No Venga Fue nuestro amor Una 
ardiente pasión que transformó nuestras almas, pero ya terminó. Donde quiera que tú vayas, te deseo lo mejor, que seas feliz, feliz a out kind of slow but then really picks up um so at the beginning you're kind of like mm, i don't know i don't know and then it's like okay yes 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 mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. how i felt about this one did you had you heard this song before you think Beto? i don't know like i think i've heard i feel like i've heard all of these probably okay. you know like, like, all familiar I've to heard you. most of these it's, yeah. yeah it's hard to say because gloria is such a legend you know I and know. i feel like just her voice sounds familiar i'm like have i, I heard know. this you know like <laughs> yeah I don't, like, have, like, relationships to all the songs, you know, like, but I definitely, like, cuando lo oigo se siente como, it's -hmm. just like the water you swim in, you know, Mm -hmm. like, Noria's music is really just seeped into, I think, Latinidad, you know, experience in the the United United States States. and also abroad, right, because she was, like, a a person who made it, like, in los Estados Unidos. Yeah, I think that's true. I think that's true. And she came from a musical family. Um, I'm going to put a link in the show notes because I talked about this on the show a few years ago, but her daughter, Emily Estefan, is also a musician and she's also queer, which I love that yeah. fact. And I follow her and her girlfriend on Instagram because that's just how I roll. <laughs> um, and they're really cute <laughs> I love together. It, love it. And they're both vegan and they're really passionate about it. And it's really hard to be vegan and oh, Cuban. Wow. So I'm um, shout yeah. out to them for that like you can only eat like you know there's a cuban bakery here in bed mm-hmm. that first of all next time you come to new york we're yes. going oh my god i'm so and excited second of all they have like some vegan croquetas which like I, i'm a little I, bit like oh, I, but I like maybe know. emily will maybe emily will get all yeah. their stuff is really legit but i feel like they have like emily they're like it's like it. a nod to like okay yeah. you can have like a pumpkin and spinach croquetas I, if you want i'm just like cringing but i know i know we've got to we've got to adapt she probably they probably want them the cuisine emily has to evolve Estefan. Yeah, the cuisine has to evolve. It's not only going to be what I'm used to. Yeah, I'm excited to check out that bakery. Um, But the reason I brought up Emily is because, so, Gloria's mom, um, whose last name is Fajardo, she actually passed away, like, two years ago, which was, like, very sweet and sad for, I don't know, there's, I I feel like I, like, know their family because I follow them on Instagram, which I know is a weird thing about social media. But Emily and her abuela used to do these rap videos called Rapuela. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so she was also her abuela was also a musician so Gloria's mom was also a musician and Cuban a singer anyway they're yeah. really cute and the hashtag still exists so you should go check out some Rapuela videos because they're really adorable so super, all that to super say cute. yeah all that to say that Gloria came from a musical family um, so yeah. there's lots of 
people in her lineage that were musicians and musicos and everything like that. So it's sort of not surprising um, where she's ended up. So this song's title is an idiom that I've always had trouble making sense of in English. I don't know if you Mm. feel like you have a way to explain it better. Yeah, it's like nothing, nothing, um, let's see. I would say there's nothing that is, no bad things come because... Oh, that is hard. I guess it's it hard. Is hard. It is hard. <laughs> I, I know I've when you actually think about it. Tried. Like, yeah, I can't. Yeah, you can't. Yeah. I know. But Isn't I guess the thing is like nothing uh, that is nothing that's bad that happens doesn't come for a good reason. You know, every, it's like the it's like the Spanish language version of everything happens for a reason. Right. 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 Basically, no. Yeah. Which it, is an annoying saying. It's, it's, my brain hurts a little bit when I try to think about how to translate this. I've, d- I've done it before and I've been like, eh, me. Mm. Do you like how I was very confident that I was going to be able yeah, to translate it? And then it, you couldn't do it. I was like, it. oh, I actually can. Yeah. That made me feel a little better. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, it's not just me. Because I think the, the, the thing that I struggle with is it, is it about that, like, there's always good with the bad? Is that sort of what it is? Or there's always bad with the good you know like that's no sort of it's what like it an like everything happens for a reason like it's ha- something bad is happening because of like it's porque viene algo bien you know what I yeah. mean yeah like my mom said that when I broke up with my partner <laughs> she's mm, like she no mal que por bien no venga. you know it's like mm. this is a shitty thing that you're going through now but it's because there's because of a good reason you know like the reasoning is good and Something you know, good will you, come of it. Yeah, something good will come of yeah, it. Yeah, everything happens idea. for a reason. Okay. Which yeah. I don't believe that to be true. <laughs> I think that there's things that are <laughs> shitty that just happen that are just shitty and it's not for a fucking reason. I find yeah. that saying so annoying. I think what's true is that this, and I was listening to some sort of neuroscience podcast about this. So like one of the things that's beautiful about the human mind is our capacity to like make something good, like explain something bad in a way that makes it makes sense and feel good. What podcast was I listening to? It was pretty fascinating. Oh, it was about a happiness. I was listening to this Ted interview. I'll, I'll link it in the mm, show notes. Mm. There's a, the dude who runs Ted does these interviews and he was interviewing somebody who's researched happiness. And he, and he was saying that the research shows that we're really good at like when something we don't want to happen happens, we're really good at reframing it in a way that makes it feel more positive. Like it happened for a reason or like, well, I didn't like it that much anyway, or, oh, we broke up, but like, here's all the things that were bad about them. You know, like that's actually a capacity right. that we have. So I feel like it's more that honestly, is that we, it's like a survival it is. mechanism, and I think, you know? I think you're right that like, it's mostly like a positive, I guess, like because of who I am, you know, I keep thinking about things politically and like when people are like, oh, this bad thing happens, but it happened for a reason. It's like, actually, no, it doesn't have to be this way. Like, we could all just have health care, you know, right. <laughs> like that sort of yeah. thing, right? Which is yeah. like, I yeah. think that that same capacity to be able to, like, turn the shitty situations in our life into, like, something that we can build from, which is generally a positive thing, Yeah, um, can sometimes, like, stymie us politically, right. you know? Because no, I hear be you. Like, oh, you know, like... Complacency. But, but yeah. Yeah. yeah complacency no and there's no making sense of like genocide for example you know like right right like that's like like i'm sorry Mm, like genocides there's no no being no you know yeah no like you can't say that like the colonization of vietnam was worth it because of banh mi you know yeah no i think this works on a small scale better than on a big scale yeah definitely (laughs) yeah but it definitely it does it does help sort of like because you have to survive, you know? Right, you do. So. It's a survival mechanism. Right. So, And, I mean, honestly, like, 
se entiende. De alguna mm -hmm. manera yo lo entiendo porque, like, mm -hmm. after the shit that, like, you know, people have to go through, like, especially, like, diasporic communities. I know. Yeah, thinking about in the context of this like, album, right? Yeah. Coño, ¿cómo se va a hacer? Like, unless you're, like, trying to reframe some shit, like, how do you go on? How do you survive? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's like she left. Her father was in prison for I don't know how long. She's like her mother's dealing with like a two-year-old in Miami. You know, I, did they have any resources? I don't know. what they, Were they able to leave with any money? I don't know, you know? So it's like the stuff that people have have had to survive, you know? And I mean, now she's a fucking... Yeah, yeah. So, like I mean, a in a way, like, I totally get it. <laughs> yeah. I totally get it. Do we want to talk about the album cover? Oh, yeah. This song? Yeah. Yeah. Oof. I feel like, I mean, looking... First of all, I feel like the album cover, whoever went with that concept, I think had like a whole artistic vision about the whole mm -hmm. thing, right? Like yeah. sometimes like the covers mm -hmm. really fit, um, mm -hmm. really fit the the mood of the album. And I think mm -hmm. because this album is so like taking you through the, like the sonic landscapes of Cuba um, and mm -hmm. because the first, one of the first sort of quote unquote Latin waves in the United States, like around like, general American public being obsessed with Latino music was with Cuban music. Mm -hmm. um, like pre-revolution? Pre-revolution <clears throat> Cuban music, yeah. Mm -hmm. And yeah. It, so... Like, but in that, in like, in the 50s, yeah, right? Yeah, in the like 50s. the whole tourism culture. Mm -hmm, the yeah. tourism culture, and then there were, like, big bands that would play, you know, like, I Love Lucy. Like, that was depicting mm -hmm. a moment where, like, mm -hmm. you know, like, that, like, the Cuban musicians and, the, like, the big band Cuban music was very popular, and, like, people would go and, like, yeah. see that, and, like, that would be, like, yep. their evening plans. But the yeah. cover of this album is, like, has Gloria just, like, mm -hmm. you know, styled in, like, this very, like, classic way. Like, her hair mm -hmm. is, like, styled in this very classic pinned-up way. And she's got some flowers in her hair. And she's got this, like, martini. Yeah. And she's sitting at a table, and it's black mm -hmm. and white. And I just, like, I feel like it sets the mood for the whole thing. And, yeah, like, as totally. I was listening to this and, like, looking at this picture of, like, Gloria looking so stunning and, like, classic, mm -hmm. I was just, like, picturing myself in this, like, old smoky concert hall from the 50s where, like, you know, people used to watch concerts, like, seated at a table, you know? Like, what mm -hmm. a time, right? <laughs> I'm mm -hmm. just, like, sweating. And there's with... probably a woman, like... The waitress, like, selling cigarettes. Yeah, too, yeah. Right? Just, like, like, imagine myself, like, drinking classic <laughs> cocktails and, like, wearing some sort of fur and, like, above, el mm -hmm. like, elbow-length gloves and, like, smoking a cigarette from, like, a long <laughs> holder, you know? So that my fingers yeah, won't get stinky. Totally. <laughs> yeah. 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 I feel like, like, imagine that my abuela, like, lived that life because she... My abuela was, like, wealthy and, like, a business owner and, like, a family legacy. And so the, she was not as wealthy, like more, her family was more like middle class. Mm -hmm. Um, and so she married into this family and like, she had this fur coat that came somehow came from Cuba with her. Wow. And like she, it just like hung up in Miami and I was like, what are you doing with this fur coat? Like you live in Miami, Florida. I don't know what she did with it in Cuba either. Like who needs a fur coat? You know what I'm um, obsessed with? Is, I'm obsessed with like the what? items that people bring like when they, when they migrate, leave. like some things yeah. are so, it's like, it's just like, it's so telling to me. Like, you know, like I have yeah. this, I was over at a friend's house who has these, um, these candles, these like Hanukkah candles that like mm. came from like the fucking pogroms or whatever, or like, mm -hmm. you know, like escaping mm -hmm. Nazi Germany. And it's like, yeah, yeah, we were going to bring these candles. And it's like, wow, these are like really intense, big, heavy items. And also like, it's a religious 
signifier and you know like all these different yep. things so it's like yep. I, and also maybe a thing of value and also yeah, a like thing silver. of value so it's just like it's very interesting to me like what the kinds of like either like in one of these like really intense like we have fleeing situations right which I think that like mm-hmm. for some Cubans that was the situation it was like a very intense fast right. like gotta flee now like similar with right. you know maybe Jews trying to leave Germany or yeah. Europe um, right. or whether it's like, you know, a less sort of like more like my migration, let's say, where it's like, there what was like a pack? decision that was made <laughs> yeah. and we packed and made right. calls and like, this is what we decided to yeah. bring. I just, I think it's so yeah. fascinating. I do think too. Yeah. And you know, with Cuba, it's like, it depends on when you left right. and how much right. Right. So like, how fast so like my abuela and abuelo left with my, my dad and his siblings on a boat, like a proper boat that they like, you know, paid to get on from Cuba early. So they were able to bring a lot more with them because it was early, mm. but the, the longer you waited, and we're talking like months, the more restrictive they got with what people could bring with them. And then by the time my mother's parents left, who themselves were immigrants to Cuba, they were Jews fleeing anti-Semitism in Eastern Europe. Um, they left in 63 and they could only bring three changes of clothes each. Wow. So it was like... And they stayed longer because they their businesses weren't their business wasn't seized till later because they had a small clothing store, you know. So it's like the wealthier you were, and also the more connected you were. The earlier you left, yeah. I mean, that's similar to like the Venezuelan diaspora right now and right the United States. Like all the people who left Venezuela early were trying to protect their wealth, right? Wealth, yeah. And like my my abuelos on my dad's side could bring things, but they couldn't bring money. So, but yeah, then by the time my other grandfather parents left, they couldn't bring anything, you know. So. It's deep. Yeah, it's deep. But I picture her, like, in her fur coat. I'm hoping it's an air-conditioned club. I don't know what she was doing with that fur coat. <laughs> I never saw her wear it. Para I never cine, saw para her wear cine. it. Y olía tanto a tabaco because they both smoked. And so it was just hanging up in that house in Miami Ugh. and just, like, just like smelled so much like cigarettes and, and cigars. Yeah, and after I, I had my, it. like, romantic imagination about being in this smoky club <laughs> in the 50s, I thought, I remembered, like, because I'm old enough where, like, I used to go to bars before the smoking bands started to happen and just come mm-hmm. out the club smelling nasty. Was, like, I know, that it was shit gross. was so fucking gross. So a fail. I know, I know. It was gross. It's amazing what we put up with, yeah. So that might... When I would be a kid in their house in Miami, I would literally I'd be barefoot running around, and my the bottoms of my feet would be black because there was like so Mentira, much like soot gross. And, no, I know. I don't know why they let me be barefoot. I feel like that's not very Cuban of them to let me be barefoot in the house. <laughs> yeah, no, it's that was not allowed in my house. Like, my mom would be like, I know. <laughs> it was not a good idea because the more I mean, it's not like my well didn't clean, but like if somebody's constantly smoking cigarettes, there's ash everywhere. I, yeah. I don't know. There's a lot. It was good memories, though. Mostly, I just had a good time. But <laughs> all right. So um, the next to last track we're going to talk about from this album is called "Si sí, Señor." Si sí, Señor, Si sí, Señor, es mi son. Como no, como no. Bailador, bailador, vengo el son. Si sí, Señor, como no. Si sí, Señor, Si sí, Señor, es mi son. Como no, como no. Bailador, bailador, vengo el son, sí señor, cómo no. Tengo este son que es fruto de inspiración, que viene del monte y del campo de caña. Un canto alegre lleno de tradición, como sol que asoma atrás de la montaña, que nace del alma, lleno de cielo azul y palmas, sí señor. Yo tengo mi son, 
señor, sí señor, es mi son, cómo no, cómo no. Bailador, bailador, vengo a ser son, sí señor, cómo no. Sí señor, sí señor, es mi son, cómo no, cómo no. Bailador, bailador, vengo a ser son, sí señor, cómo no. one of my favorites it's hard to say because i love them all right right really you pick? upbeat I, i mean i had trouble picking just six but there's just something really upbeat about this one um i could like start singing right now but i won't um you know so it's <laughs> no, like it's not a little bit the, the beginning of, no no i'm gonna <laughs> spare all of you also you're listening to it behind our voices right now um but yeah i just like yeah i just it's just like makes me happy you know which i think is kind of beautiful that this album although it's about like this, you know, exile and displacement and sadness and all that kind of stuff. It's also about, there's also a lot of joy in it, you know? Yeah. A lot of joy. Yeah, I think that that's a thing that, like, you know, we've talked about on the show before, but, like, with, like, everybody experiences joy, right? Like, and I think that one of the things where you can tell that somebody, like, doesn't genuinely come to a cultural experience that can that is like often difficult is when they frame everything as like suffering and it's like actually there's a lot of joy in everybody's lives even through suffering right like yeah. depend like you know like no matter what like no matter how hard like people's uh lives are like people find like people find joy in all sorts of situations and there's like a lot of joy and beauty to growing up um in a lot of different kinds of ways, including like, you know, in exile, right? So I think that yeah. that's really beautifully portrayed in this album. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, it's like, it's complicated, but joy is a part of the experience as well, you know, and the joy of connecting. That's what music is so much for me, is like the joy of connecting to my roots through music, you know, and that having to connect that way is part of sadness about the story of like having to leave, but there's still a lot of joy in that ability to connect. So have you ever seen Gloria live? Oh, yeah. So it was actually my first ever concert. I was four. No. And I fell asleep during the conga, is what I've been told. Oh. I remember. I know. I was tired. It was late, probably, in Miami, for sure, because she was not going to North Carolina. Muy cute. Muy cute. Yeah. So I guess I used to be able to fall asleep anywhere. Now I'm like a light sleeper, but, you know, kids, I guess, are pretty... <laughs> But Kids at are heavy the tender sleeping. age of four, it was yeah. like, how much of your body, baby, do that conga. And you're like, exactly. how do you <laughs> And I'm like, <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. So that, you know, she she really had these huge hits before this album that were in English and were much more. Yeah, I love Miami Sound Machine. I, I, have, yeah. I have a Miami Sound Machine album on I mean, vinyl. Have, <laughs> it's you have, great. You do. I remember that. And she has amazing hair on that cover. I remember. Um very 80s yeah I mean she really like hit it big and so you know what I read about there's an LA Times interview that I'll link to um, that's like a Q&A with her like the night before this album dropped which I'm like so glad it's on the internet now and um, you know she said that this album was actually five years in the making um, and it's something that she'd really wanted to do and she really wanted to like she said she was anxious to record an all Spanish album that reflected my Hispanic and Cuban roots um, and I don't know if she hadn't done it sooner because you know she wasn't concerned about the marketability of it or what it was but um you know she said that in that interview she also says they were really careful to choose like music instruments that really were as close as possible to the old style yeah. of music you know so it was like really trying to capture an era but like in a way that feels so i think relatable and like feels very fresh in that time so um so yeah she's she she hit it big so like 
this was, I think, an interesting choice. And then definitely an interesting choice. Yeah. Yeah. But actually, I think I, I also found something that Billboard said that, um, so it sold over a million copies in the U.S. And according to Billboard, most purchasers did not speak Spanish. Really? Amazing. Yeah. So actually, this album was actually really popular with non-Spanish speakers, which is shocking to me to think about that in the ni- early 90s, you know? Like now, okay, maybe, but the early 90s? But yeah, that's what Billboard said. It is shocking to me. I don't know. I, also, I don't know how I they feel like know I that. know, like, you know, for example, like, Mi Tierra, like, I feel like I know it so deeply, but I also wonder, like, because 1993 was before I came to the United States, and I wonder if I got to know it afterwards here. Like, did this right. album hit big in Latin America? Like, I can't, like, I can't quite recall. Like, people know who she is. I mean, it was an international Over hit there, for yeah, sure. yeah. So I don't know about, about Venezuela specifically, but it was an international hit, yeah. And it was, yeah, it was... The best-selling Latin album of the year in the United States in 94. But yeah, that surprised me a lot. So, you know, I think in some ways it probably felt like a risk to do this album. Absolutely. It must like have the been. Miami yeah. Sound Machine. Yeah. Also, this was, so she's, people, I think a lot of people know this, but she had a really bad car accident, bus accident. Do you know this story? I have heard in it, like yeah. In like 91. I think it was 91. They were on tour with the Miami Sound Machine and their I've bus was it. hit it, like, by almost it. ended her career. I mean, it almost ended her life. It almost ended her life. Yeah, she almost died. And they thought she would never walk again, like one of those kind of stories. Um, so this was only three years later that this album Damn. came out, you know? So it's also kind of part of her, like, recovery yeah, story, yeah. too. Must have been so emotional for her. Yeah. Yeah, I can't even imagine. Shall we go to our um, last song? Yeah, let's do it. So the last pick from this album is the ninth track, and it's called Montuno. one of your favorites i think so i think so it's like i think i really like son you know i really like son it's very it just is so celebratory and like beautiful and like i don't know it's just like it's very caribbean you know like in in that in the sense Mm -hmm. that like it hits me in a sense that it just feels home 
in in that mm-hmm. sort of way. Yeah, yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, so this one's named Montuno because this song is a son Montuno, which literally means like a son from the mountains, but it's a musical form that comes from the rural parts of Oriente, which is a, um, a region of Cuba. You know, a lot of what we hear about Cuban music is from Havana, so, um, but there's right. obviously a huge, it's a whole other country with their own distinct musical styles, some of which travel to Havana and some of which don't. But so that's what Son Montuno is. And, and like most of Cuban music and most of Caribbean music, this is a very kind of clear merging of like Spanish guitar and lyricism with Afro-Cuban percussion and rhythms and all the influence from the African diaspora and the people that were enslaved and brought mm-hmm. to Cuba. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, you can tell with all the gambores, you know? I think the one other last thing I wanted to say that I learned about when I researched this episode on um, this album is that people, a couple of people are like, hey, where's Celia Cruz? Because they collaborate with a bunch of musicians, but she's not one of them. <clears throat> and the way they explain that is that she was on tour while the album was being mm-hmm. produced. Mm-hmm. So, got it. I don't, I don't know if there's more of a story yeah. there, but that, I don't, I don't know of collaborations between the two of them. But that, you know, both really incredible vocalists, both also really influential. Yeah, I don't know. Just a lot of feelings about this so album. Many and feelings. So, so what many was it like? For, you know, like you, you just you had a lot of. It was very emotional to go back to it. Had you? When was the last time that you listened to this album? Like fully all the way it. through. Do you go back yeah. to it usually, or was it like, oh, it's been a minute? I feel like I go back to the first three songs more often, but it's been a minute. I think actually I listen to it more when I still listen to CDs in my car. <laughs> you know, which is that makes sense. Not actually that long ago. It was like maybe. I don't know what. When did like, you know, when did like streaming become big, right? Like maybe five or six years ago, I used to listen to CDs in my car, and this was a CD that's probably still in my car somewhere, like in the trunk. Right, you know? right. That's where my CDs so, are in my car, not being listened yeah, to. Yeah, ex- exactly. I'm like never. So, um, so no, it'd been a while since I'd sat down with it, but we've been talking about doing this episode because we, you know, we've been doing these album deep dives, and we've done a couple of nostalgic ones, like we did. Barrio Fino by Daddy Yankee. We did Pies Descaso, Shakira. So we're just mm-hmm, like thinking about mm-hmm, ones that feel yeah. meaningful to us. So yeah, it's amazing that music all these years later and after listening to it so much can still like, you know, that moon feeling, you know, like it's kind of amazing. Así es la música, you know? I know. That's what's so beautiful about it. And I feel so much more connected because of the choices I've made in my life and like my music and my community. I don't feel as isolated, I think, as I used to, like as a kid or growing up. Um, but the feelings are all still there. And some of them I think are not even my feelings. I think they're my parents' feelings that you just like, mm, just like get, get transferred like, over. Yeah. I don't know through the breast milk or whatever it is. Like it just, Epigenetics like, is a real like, field of study. Yo. Yeah, it is. It is. It is. And so, you know, my parents both, when I wrote my first essay about Cuba, which was when, um, when Obama announced that there was going to be an embassy in Cuba, um, I wrote an essay called, um, why I don't want to hear about your vacation to Cuba. <laughs> Hell no. And um, which sometimes I reference when people, especially like white folks, are like, let me tell you about my vacation to Cuba. Let me and tell I'll you about like, my hey, article you know that what? I wrote about how I don't want to hear about it. I've totally told people that in response, which like, it's kind of funny, but usually, especially if people are sort of political and then they're like, oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I'm an asshole like that. Sometimes <laughs> anyway, you got to just put an essay. end to it. I know. I'm just like, I don't, I don't want to. I just don't want to. Um. I wrote this essay all about my feelings about about the shift and like what it meant and and I was really nervous to send it to my parents, especially my father because he's very politically right and I was just like worried that I was going to offend him because my stance was not so anti the the fact that it was happening. Right, it was right. like it's complicated. Was basically how I felt about it. 
Um, and they both of them were like so surprised. They were both moved, and they were also so surprised that I had such strong feelings about Cuba. Interesting. <laughs> I was just like, who do you think you raised me? You know, I like, know. Weirdos. Parents are funny. And I think because like, oh, it's easy for you. You were born in North Carolina. You grew up in North Carolina. And I'm like, no, like that's not how that works. And like, don't you remember taking me to Miami every five minutes? You know, like, yeah. So it's it's like you don't. It's it's not just the generation that immigrates that is that is shaped by this. It's like. It's so many generations, you know. So. Yeah, definitely. And then you get to make choices about like how you're, how like you know, if you have kids, how they want to, right? How you want them to yeah. have a relationship to it too, you know? Right. And then they do whatever they and want. Then they do whatever they want, <laughs> exactly. And then they can be like, I don't like Cuban music, but then like yeah. when they go away, they're like, Mommy, can you send me the TV? They like send me this album. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I used to say to her, apparently, speak to me in my own language when she'd speak to me in Spanish. Which now I'm like, can I kick that little kid and be like, stop it? But it was just, like, all the assimilation pressures around me because nobody around me spoke Spanish. None of my friends spoke Spanish, you know, so. That's real. That's real. That, like, self-inflicted self shit is, like, yeah. some of the saddest but most I real know. shit. I know. That's the, like, that's the complicated part of immigrating, you know? It's, like, you don't get to decide the environment in which your kids are. Like, they're in this country, and that's, like, for better or for worse. Like, this is what you have to deal with, you know? So, aquí estamos. <laughs> well, I hope you all enjoyed this deep dive into this classic album and that you enjoy taking a little tour down the early 90s memory lane. Thank us. you for bringing this and like sharing all yeah. of your like deep feels about yeah. it. Thank you, Fred. Very generous. I appreciate you. Yeah. Yeah. I know there's lots of you listening who relate. So that's what makes it beautiful. It's like, I know I'm not alone in this. And like, you, there's many of you like you, Veto, who have a connection to this music too. So that's the beauty of it is like, we all, we get to experience that together. Compartir. Well, thank you so much for listening, y'all. Uh, all of this in, information about these songs, there are not a lot of videos because this is from the early nineties, but we'll put um, links to the songs that we brought in the show notes. And also the things I referenced will be in the show notes as well. And if you haven't heard last week's episode, last week it was like a little bit of a different situation. <laughs> Not so yeah. much diaspora feels, but more irreverently. No. Um, we had a No Quiere Novio episode, which was super fun and a playlist. So make sure to check that out if you haven't yet. And yeah, follow us on all the social media. Como siempre, we're on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Y tenemos un newsletter also, if you're not subscribed yet. There's a link in the show notes for you to subscribe. We send a little email every Friday. Thank you, thank you, thank you, babies. Hasta la próxima. Bye.